Hello and welcome. You've tuned in to the Bible Podcast, a show where we read through the Bible in a year, just a few chapters each day. Today is April 12th, and we're reading through 2 Samuel chapters 9 through 12. Let's begin. Chapter 9. David said, Is there anyone still left of Saul's family so I can be kind to him for Jonathan's sake? There was a man called Ziba who used to be a servant of Saul's family. They called for him to come to David, and the king asked him, Are you Ziba? Yes, I am your servant, he replied. The king asked him, Is there anyone still left of Saul's family so I can be kind to him as I promised before God? There's still one of Jonathan's sons who is lame in both feet, Ziba replied. Where is he? asked the king. He's in the town of Lodabar, living in the home of Machir, son of Amiel, Ziba replied. So King David had him brought from Machir's home. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed face down to the ground in respect. Then David said, Welcome, Mephibosheth. I am your servant, he replied. Do not be afraid, said David, for I will truly be kind to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will return to you all the land owned by your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, Who am I, your servant, that you should pay any attention to a dead dog like me? Then the king called for Saul's servant Ziba and told him, I have given to you, your master's grandson, everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and workers are to farm the ground for him and bring in the produce so that your master's grandson will have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will always eat at my table. Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty workers. Ziba replied to the king, My lord the king, your servant will do everything that you have commanded. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. All the people who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. But Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. Chapter 10 Sometime after this, Nahash the Ammonite king died, and his son Hanan succeeded him. David said, I will be kind to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father was kind to me. So David sent representatives to take his condolences to Hanan regarding his father. But when they arrived in the country of the Ammonites, the Ammonite military leader said to Hanan their king, Do you really believe David sent condolences to you out of respect for your father? Isn't it more likely that David sent his representatives to scout out the city, spy on it, and then conquer it? So Hanan had David's representatives detained, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their clothes at the buttocks, and then sent them back home. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet them because they were very embarrassed. The king instructed them, Stay in Jericho until your beards have regrown, then you can return. When the Ammonites realized they had become like a bad smell to David, they sent a request to the Arameans and hired 20,000 of their foot soldiers from Beth Rehob and Zobah, as well as 1,000 men from the king of Makkah, and also 12,000 men from Tob. When David learned of this, he sent Joab and the entire army to confront them. The Ammonites set up their battle lines near the entrance to their town gate, while the Arameans of Zobah and Rehob and the men of Tob and Makkah took up positions by themselves in the open fields. Joab realized that he would have to fight both in front of him 
and behind him. He chose some of Israel's best troops and he took charge of them to lead the attack against the Arameans. He put the rest of the army under the command of Abishai, his brother. They were to attack the Ammonites. Joab told him, If the Arameans are stronger than me, you come and help me. If the Ammonites are stronger than you, all come and help you. Be brave and fight your best for our people and the towns of our God. May the Lord do what he sees as good. Joab attacked the Arameans with his forces and they ran away from him. When the Ammonites saw that the Arameans had run away, they also ran away from Abishai and retreated into the town. So Joab went back to Jerusalem after fighting the Ammonites. As soon as the Arameans saw that they had been defeated by the Israelites, they reassembled their forces. Hadadezer sent for more Arameans to be brought from beyond the Euphrates River. They arrived in Hilam under the leadership of Shobach, the commander of Hadadezer's army. When this was reported to David, he assembled all Israel together. He crossed the Jordan and advanced on Hilam. The Arameans positioned themselves in battle against David and fought him. But the Aramean army ran away from the Israelites, and David killed 700 charioteers and 40,000 infantry. He also attacked Shobach, their army commander, and he died there. When all the kings allied with Hadadezer realized that they had been defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became subject to him. As a result, the Arameans were afraid to help the Ammonites anymore. Chapter 11 In the spring, at the time of the year when kings go out to war, David sent out Joab and his officers and the whole Israelite army on an attack. They massacred the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. However, David remained behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, David got up from taking a nap and was walking on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing, a very beautiful woman. David sent someone to find out about the woman. He was told, It's Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, and wife of Uriah the Hittite. David sent messengers to fetch her. When she came to him, he had sex with her. Now, she had just purified herself from having her period. Afterwards, she went back home. Bathsheba became pregnant and sent a message to David to tell him, I'm pregnant. So David sent a message to Joab telling him, Send Uriah the Hittite to me. Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to see him, David asked him how Joab was doing and how the army was doing and how the war was going. Then David told Uriah, Go home now and have a rest. Uriah left the palace and the king sent him a gift after he'd gone. But Uriah didn't go home. He slept in the guardroom at the palace entrance with all the king's guards. David was told Uriah didn't go home, so he asked Uriah, Haven't you just got back from being away? Why didn't you go home? Uriah answered, The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents, and my master Joab and his men are camped out in the open. How can I go home and eat and drink and sleep with my wife? On my life I won't do such a thing. David told him, Stay here today and tomorrow I'll send you back. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. David invited Uriah to dinner. Uriah ate and drank with him, and David got Uriah drunk. But in the evening he went to sleep on his mat with the king's guards and didn't go home. In the morning David wrote Joab a letter and gave it to Uriah to take him. In the letter David told Joab, Put Uriah right in the front where the fighting is worst, and then pull back behind him so that he'll be attacked and killed. 
As Joab besieged the town, he made Uriah take a place where he knew the strongest enemy men would be fighting. When the town's defenders came out and attacked Joab, some of David's men were killed, including Uriah the Hittite. Joab sent David a full report about the battle. He ordered the messenger, saying, When you finish telling the king all about the battle, if the king gets angry and asks you, Why did you get so near to the town in the attack? Didn't you know that they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, son of Jerobesheth? Wasn't it a woman who dropped a millstone on him from the wall, killing him there in Thebes? Why on earth did you get so close to the wall? Just tell him, in addition, your officer Uriah the Hittite was killed. The messenger left, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had directed him to say. The messenger explained to David, The defenders were stronger than us, and they came out at us in the open, but we forced them back to the entrance of the town gate. Their archers shot at us from the wall and killed some of the king's men. Your officer, Uriah the Hittite, was also killed. Then David said to the messenger, Tell Joab this, Don't be upset about this, for the sword destroys people at random. Press on with your attack against the town and conquer it. Encourage him by telling him this. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. Once the period of mourning was over, David sent for her to be brought to his palace, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But what David had done was evil in the Lord's sight. Chapter 12 The Lord sent Nathan to see David. When he got there, he said, Once there were two men living in the same town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man had many thousands of sheep and cattle, but the poor man didn't have anything but one small ewe lamb that he had bought. He cared for it, and it grew up with him and his children. It would eat from his plate and drink from his cup. It slept on his lap like it was a daughter to him. One day the rich man had a visitor. He didn't want to take one of his own sheep or cattle to feed this visitor. He took the poor man's lamb instead to prepare a meal for his visitor. David became absolutely furious with what that man did and angrily told Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who did this should be put to death. He must repay that lamb with four of his own for doing this, for being so heartless. You are that man, Nathan told David. This is what the Lord, God of Israel, says. I anointed you king of Israel, and I saved you from Saul. I gave your master's house to you and placed your master's wives in your lap. I gave you the kingdom of Israel and Judah, and if that hadn't been enough, I would have given you so much more. So why have you treated what the Lord said with contempt by doing evil in his sight? You killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and stole his wife. You killed him using the sword of the Ammonites. So your descendants will always face the sword that kills because you treated me with contempt and stole Uriah's wife. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. 
Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the Lord by doing this, your children will die. Then Nathan went home. The Lord made the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David become very sick. David pleaded with God on behalf of the boy. He fasted, went to his bedroom, and spent the night laying in sackcloth on the ground. His senior officials approached him and tried to help him up from the ground, but he didn't want to and he refused their appeals to eat. On the seventh day, the child died. But David's officials were scared to tell him that the child was dead, for they said to each other, Look, while the child was still alive, we talked with him, and he refused to listen to us. How on earth can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something really bad. But David saw his officials were whispering among themselves. He realized that the child was dead. So he asked his officials, Did the child die? Yes, he died, they replied. David got up from the ground, washed and put on scented oils, and changed his clothes. Then he went to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Afterwards, he went back home and asked for some food. So they served him a meal, which he ate. Why are you acting like this? His officials asked him. While the child was still alive, you fasted and cried aloud. But now that he's dead, you get up and eat. David replied, While the child was still alive, I fasted and cried aloud. For I thought to myself, Who knows, maybe the Lord will be gracious to me and let him live. But now that he's dead, what's the point for me to go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? One day I will die and go to him, but he will never come back to me. David consoled his wife Bathsheba, and he made love to her. She gave birth to a son and named him Solomon. The Lord loved the child, so he sent a message through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah, because the Lord loved him. At this time, Joab had been fighting against the Ammonite town of Rabbah and had captured the royal fortress. Joab sent messengers to David to tell him, I have attacked Rabbah and have also captured its water supply, so please call up the rest of the army, besiege the town and capture it. Otherwise, I will capture the city and I will get credit. So David called up the rest of his army and marched on Rabbah. He attacked it and captured it. He took the crown from the head of their king, and it was placed on David's head. It weighed a talent of gold and was decorated with precious stones. David took a large amount of plunder from the town. David also took the inhabitants and forced them to work with saws, iron picks, and axes, and he also made them work making bricks. He did the same in all the Ammonite towns. Then David and the whole Israelite army returned to Jerusalem. Bathsheba, wife of Uriah, was the daughter of Eliam and the granddaughter of Ahithophel, the king's advisor. Her husband Uriah was a Hittite mercenary in King David's service and was one of David's mighty men. One spring, David stayed home in Jerusalem while the army went to the battlefield. Resting at midday, David strolled on his roof overlooking the city and saw the beautiful Bathsheba taking a bath. He arranged for her to be brought to his private chambers. Then he had sexual relations with her, and she became pregnant. Not wanting this scandal to become public, David arranged a cover-up. He told Joab, the general, to have Uriah bring back a report from the battle lines. David hoped that Uriah would return home and sleep with Bathsheba, thus legitimizing her pregnancy. But Uriah considered himself still on active duty, so he slept at the palace gate. 
When David asked him about this, he replied that he could not sleep with his wife while the ark and the armies of Israel were on the battlefield. This answer put David in a very bad light. Uriah, who was not even an Israelite, was standing ready to return to battle by avoiding intercourse with his wife, while David was staying at home and trying to cover up his adultery. Then David sent Uriah back and ordered Joab to have him killed in battle. Uriah's death did not keep David's sin a secret, however. The Lord sent the prophet Nathan to confront David, and David confessed his sin and repented. Bathsheba's baby became sick and died, as Nathan had predicted. After Bathsheba's period of mourning, David installed her in the palace as his seventh wife. David and Bathsheba had other children, Shemaiah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. We'll read of coming intrigue among the different factions of David's wives and children, culminating in David's old age when Bathsheba sought to ensure the kingship for her son Solomon. In Matthew's genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, both Solomon and Bathsheba appear. Matthew 1, verse 6. She is described there as the widow of Uriah, a reminder of the sin that brought her into David's family and of God's gracious favor towards her descendants. Interesting history. The first shots of the Civil War were fired on this day in 1861. Confederate shore batteries commanded by General P.G.T. Beauregard opened fire on the Federal garrison at Fort Sumter in Charleston Harbor. Just three years later on this day, Confederate troops commanded by Major Nathan Bedford Forrest massacred black Union troops after capturing Fort Pillow, Tennessee. The hellish fire sparked by that first angry shot in 1861 wasn't quenched until more blood was spilled by Americans than in all other wars combined. The Civil War not only divided the nation, but also separated families. In some ways, the nation's wounds have never healed. The opening shots of the Civil War seemed small, but flared into hellish fury. What often starts as a spark can erupt into a raging, destroying, devastating fire. David learned this when he gave in to his passion and took Bathsheba. The consequences of that lustful act would forever stain his reputation and bring him untold pain. Not only was David affected, but also the lives of many others were shattered by his awful sin. David's own family was torn apart by his evil behavior. It would be hard for him to discipline his disobedient boys when he himself had failed so miserably. What started out as a small private affair ended up a horrible public shame. Looking deeper, God always rebukes his disobedient children. God sent Nathan to confront David because God loved his servants so much he didn't want David's sin to break their relationship. It's always easier to see someone else's deplorable sin rather than to acknowledge our own. David was quick to condemn the degenerate in Nathan's fictional story. However, forgiveness doesn't cancel all consequences. While David was forgiven, there were serious repercussions to what he had done. He would suffer their effects for years. Our sin always brings disgrace on God's work. Nathan told David the enemies of God would mock God because of the terrible thing that David did with Bathsheba and to Uriah. God lovingly helps us even when we are suffering the consequences of our own bad choices. 
God still blesses David with a son after the tragic loss of their firstborn. Let's pray. Lord, help me to keep my passions in check so I will please you and avoid the terrible pain sin brings. Forgive me for the things that I have done to displease you. Lord, keep me humble and keep me on the straight and narrow so I can avoid the slow fade of rebellion. Thank you for tuning in, and I'm looking forward to being with you tomorrow on The Bible Podcast.